0: As the standoff between Indian and Chinese forces in the Galwan Valley continues, with the death and the martyrdom of 20 Indian soldiers and as many as 35 Chinese soldiers, the topic of Ladakh, the India, the Sino-Indian relationship, and also the whole issue of Tibet and Xinjiang being taken over by Chinese forces becomes a 5 star topic for us as plat aspirants. So let us dive deep into mainly two things. The first one being the annexation of Tibet and Xinjiang and the second one being Ladakh why Ladakh matters to India, China the history, the geography and the strategy that is Adopted by countries. The first one will be Tibet. Now we know that Tibet rings a bell with respect to a Dalai Lama, a few monks, a big palace, and some Buddhist culture and Buddhist monks. But The sad reality is that Tibet today is one of the most repressed and closed societies today in the world. The history of Tibet is pretty interesting. China invaded Tibet in the year 1950. Tibet is a big country. If we look at land mass, if Tibet were an independent country, Tibet should be the world's 10th largest nation. In 1950, China invaded its neighbor Tibet and seized control by force defeating the Tibetan military very easily because most of them were very peace-loving people and never believed that something of this scale could happen but communist China did it. Tibetans have lived under China's military rule ever since. In the march of 1959, Tibetans started protests and attempted to bring back their country in an enormous uprising in the March of 1959. Sadly, as all protests happen, all the protests in China, like we have seen the protests in Hong Kong, we have seen the students' protests that happened, where students were crushed by tanks, military tanks the protests were crushed with brutal force in the march of 1959 the dalai lama who is the leader of tibet he was very young he fleed across the mountains to india in the city of dharamshala where he still lives today and he has formed a government in exile tibet was taken by the chinese and divided and incorporated into chinese provinces the largest of these is the Tibet Autonomous Region or T-A-R. Now, Tibet is anything but autonomous. China rules with an iron fist and surprisingly, Tibetians have been turned into more of a mockery over there with so many Chinese tourists coming up over there and the whole Buddhist culture, the whole palace, the whole Tibetan culture, food, it's been turned into a kind of amusement park by the scores of Chinese tourists coming in over there. And Tibet is ranked among the worst of the worst for human rights violations along the lines of North Korea, Syria, Yemen and Saudi Arabia. This is how bad the situation is. More than 100 countries have achieved independence in the time that Tibet has been occupied. But China continues to insist that Tibetians are happy and prosperous. If this were true, China would have allowed journalists, tourists or diplomats to see it for themselves which they do not allow. There are plenty of human rights issues in Tibet and U.S. think tank Freedom House ranked Tibet among the worst places in the world for denial of freedom. Every aspect of Tibetan life is under siege. Tibetians have fewer civil and political rights than Chinese people also ruled by the Chinese Communist Party. Now there are cameras everywhere and Tibetians who are... Now it is... it is illegal to fly the flag of Tibet and it is a punishable offence with people being given a sentence of as much as 22 years for only hoisting the flag of Tibet prisons in Tibet are full of people denied their desire for freedom, they are arrested and convicted for peaceful acts such as calling for the return of Dalai Lama on Facebook which we know is banned in China so anyone, like it's completely complete iron fist rule tibetan buddhism is seen as a threat to occupying chinese state possessing the images or teachings of the dalai lama can result in imprisonment and torture this is how bad it is now um Let us go and look at the incorporation of Xinjiang into the People's Republic of China. Xinjiang is also very important because Xinjiang was in the news for a lot of time because of how the Uyghur Muslims were sent into concentration camps over there. Now the Chinese call it the peaceful liberation of Xinjiang but we very well know that this is a part of the Chinese civil war and this is by far not even close to the word peaceful Now, before we understand the incorporation of Xinjiang into the People's Republic of China, it is a must to know what is the history of China, the early modern history of China um, since the Kuomintang and the Opium Wars. So in 1840s the first Opium War happened where the country of great britain the east india company flooded china with opium causing an addiction crisis the Qing dynasty banned the drug and a military confrontation resulted british forces shut down chinese ports and hong kong was handed over to the british then we have the second opium war and the first sino-japanese war which is not important over here but in the year 1912 Sun Yat-sen, who was a Western-educated revolutionary. In 1912, he declared independence from the Qing dynasty, took control in 1912 and announced the Republic of China. Interestingly, Taiwan today also has its official name as the Republic of China as opposed to Mainland China, which is called as the People's Republic of China. This is because the Kuomintang is a political pres- Kuomintang has a political presence in Taiwan because yat senator is I think Sanyat senator or his um, the people after him, they had to flee to Taiwan. Now in 1921 the Communist Party of China was formed in 1919 in response to the Treaty of Versailles. In 1927, we have the Shanghai Massacre when Chiang Kai-shek, who was the Nationalist Party leader, ordered the massacre of communists which inadvertently caused the creation of the Communist Red Army. Then we have reunification where Chiang Kai-shek reunified China, seizing area under the control of warlords. And then we have China, which is known as today. The CPC did have an existence at that time, but not a very profound existence. In 1931, the communists formed an army called as the Red Army and there was a bloody bloody 18 year long conflict and this was at a time when we had the Sino-Japanese war as well when the Japanese invasion of Manchuria with extreme and brutal war crimes have also taken place over there where the Japanese have been recorded to just drag people, drag Chinese people out of their home and behead them with the Japanese traditional sword known as the Katana Now in 1945 Taiwan was returned to China after Japanese surrender in the World War II Taiwan returned to Chinese control made it possible that The Taiwanese citizens and Chinese soldiers had a lot of tensions between them. It erupted in violence and ended with Chiang Kai-shek sending further troops. In 1949, the People's Republic of China was declared by the Communist Party. In 1949, this happened and similarly, the incorporation of Xinjiang happened largely through political means. Now, this is the... Winning days of the Chinese Civil War which was a war fought between the Kuomintang led government of the Republic of China and the Communist Party of China 18 year long war, very bloody now we all know what is happening in Xinjiang where a lot of now it is we cannot deny the existence of terrorist groups over there but China has acted very disproportionately and as Lord Atkin has said that one must not use a steam hammer where a nutcracker is to suffice China has this is the principle of proportionality China has completely violated it and committed brutalities extreme brutalities in Xinjiang which interestingly has also been a place where a lot of Chinese People go as tourists and also Chinese people going as tourists and enjoying the oppressed people's homes going into their homes clicking pictures having no respect for culture at all which is a very very sad thing and also the concentration or let's call them re-education camps as the Chinese call them now we move on to the most important topic which is Ladakh The history, geography and strategy of Ladakh. What is it about this cold, dry, high altitude territory with almost no agricultural benefits, no vegetation that makes it such a point of disagreement between India and China. In July 1958, an official monthly magazine in China named China Pictorial published a map of the country that would become in the next few days a bone of contention between India and China. The map showed large parts of the Northeast Frontier Agency and the Himalayan territory of Ladakh as part of China. The publication had been preceded with the Chinese building a road linking parts of Ladakh with Xinjiang, an autonomous region in China and Tibet which was under the Chinese control. After China Pictorial came out, Nehru wrote letters to Xu Enlai, Xu Enlai wrote letters to Nehru and This followed the Sino-Indian War of 1962. The war also led to the formation of the line of actual control running through Ladakh. On Monday, as fighting broke out along the disputed border between the Indian and Chinese militaries, 20 Indian soldiers were martyred over here. Now, Nehru is interestingly known to have said in his statement to the Lok Sabha, there is a large area in eastern and northeastern Ladakh which is practically uninhabited where not even a blade of grass grows, he had said famously. This this shows how little concerned he was about the about the region of Aksai Chin. And many people say that it is his mistake that this happened, that Aksai Chin went to the Chinese. Now, political scientist Margaret W. Fisher and Leo E. Rose wrote in their 1962 paper Ladakh and the Sino-Indian Border Crisis. They noted that, and I quote, Indeed it is open to question how many people in the western world could have located Ladakh without with any precision or even perhaps have stated with any confidence the nationality of the Ladakhis. Certainly very few people would have credited a prediction that armed and armed clashes and the threat of full-scale war between India and China would arise over possession of the highly alkaline plain known as Aksai Chin, they said. Now the importance of Ladakh to both India and China is rooted in a complicated historical process that led to the territory becoming part of the state of Jammu and Kashmir and post the Chinese occupation, China's interest in it. Firstly, we look at the integration of Ladakh into Jammu and Kashmir. Ladakh was an independent Himalayan state, much the same way as today's Bhutan or pre-1980 Sikkim. Historically and culturally, however, the state was intrinsically linked even today to the neighboring Tibet. Language, religion, politics, a common history linked Ladakh and Tibet together. In fact, Ladakh was part of the Tibetan empire till 742 CE. Ladakhi history and Indian nationhood is a paper by the historian John Bray where he talks about the assassination of King Langdharma, King Langdharma in 742 CE after which the Tibetan empire broke up. Now, Ladakh became an independent kingdom. Though its borders fluctuated in different periods of its history, and at times included much of what is now Western Tibet, Economically, the importance of the region stemmed from the fact that it was an entrepôt between Central Asia and Kashmir, Tibetan Pashmina shawl wool, was carried through Ladakh to Kashmir, at the same time there was a flourishing trade route across the Karakuram Pass to Yarkand and Kashgar to Chinese Turkestan. This is the writing of Bray, John Bray, in his paper, Ladakhi History and Indian Nationhood. Now in 1819, Emperor Ranjit Singh, who was a Sikh, he acquired Kashmir and he turned his ambition toward Ladakh. But the Dogra fiduciary of the Sikhs in Jammu, who was Gulab Singh, went ahead with the task of integrating Ladakh into Jammu and Kashmir. The British East India Company, which was now steadily establishing itself in India, had lacked interest in Ladakh initially because why would they be interested in Pashmina shawls and a trade route between Kashgar and Ladakh, which was of very little concern to the big British Empire? Also, this was a company, so The East India Company had very very little interest in this. In 1834 Gulab Singh sent his General Zarovar Singh Kahluria with 4,000 infantrymen to conquer the territory. There was no opposition but the Ladakhis were defeated and Ladakh came under Dogra rule, Dogra being a fiduciary of Emperor Ranjit Singh who was a Sikh. In May 1841. Tibet, under the Qing dynasty, invaded Ladakh in the hope of adding it to the Imperial Chinese dominions Leading to the Sino-Sikh war Very interesting However, the Sino-Tibetian army was defeated And the Treaty of Chushul was signed CHUSHUL, That agreed on no further transgressions or interference in the country's frontiers After the first Anglo-Sikh war, the state of Jammu and Kashmir, including Ladakh, was taken out of the Sikh empire and brought under British suzerainty. The state of Jammu and Kashmir was a British creation, formed as a buffer zone. I am quoting analyst Abhijan Ray, who is writing in an article to the Indian Express. The state of Jammu and Kashmir was essentially a British creation formed as a buffer zone where they could meet the Russians, consequently there was an attempt to delimiting what exactly was Ladakh and the extent of the state of Jammu and Kashmir but it became convoluted since that area became under Tibet and Central Asian influence. It is important to remember though at that time, people did not have a very good sense of which country they belonged to. So one can argue that when the mapping happened, defining the state of Jammu and Kashmir, the British may have overstepped. The British legacy of the map of the territory, though continued to remain the ground upon which India laid its claim on the area. In his book, India After Gandhi, historian Ram Chandra Guha wrote that the Indians insisted that the border was for the most part recognized and assured by the treaty and tradition the chinese argued that it had never really been delimited the claims of both governments resisted in the paths of the legacy of imperialism british imperialism for india and chinese imperialism over tibet for india for china sorry now nehru had hoped that tibet would have a degree of autonomy even though it came under chinese occupation which was extreme misjudgment of nehru once the road construction started In 1949, Nehru knew that the original Chinese territory which is Xinjiang will have a direct connection with Tibet. This meant that the Chinese could keep on exercising their control. The war of 1962 followed after the diplomatic negotiations failed. There are two layers to this. First up to in 2013 India's infrastructural development in that area was minimal. From 2013-2014 onwards. When the BJP came into power, India started pushing for infrastructure projects over there and by 2015, Ladakh had become a major defence priority. The other thing is the August 5, 2019 decision to remove the special status of Jammu and Kashmir and downgrade the state into two union territories, one being Jammu and Kashmir and the second being the union territory of Ladakh. From the Chinese point of view, they would have assumed that if India makes Ladakh a union territory They would be reasserting its control over the entire state Moreover, it is also important to note that over time Xinjiang, which is part of Aksai Chin Has become very important to China for their internal reasons Which we have discussed before Talking about the Uyghur Muslims and the oppression that they have faced over there So, overall we can conclude that This topic might be This is a bone of contention in our and currently So that was all about Ladakh and the Chinese occupation